it is strangely easy to take for granted the fact that we as believers can speak directly to the Creator of all things anytime we wish. <laughs> I know I take that for granted all the time. And so, uh, as we've been saying for the last few weeks, to start this new year, let's see with fresh eyes. Let's see anew the wonder and the beauty and the privilege of prayer. And I just can't think of anyone better to teach us about this than Jesus. So let's look at Jesus' words, shall we? We're looking again at the Lord's Prayer. If you have your Bible with you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 5 through 13. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's no big deal. Uh, the scripture verses will be on the screen behind me. Okay? This is Matthew 6. This is verses 5 through 13. This is a part of Jesus' most uh, famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. And this is what he has to teach us on prayer. Verse 5. Our Lord says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is God's word. Now, this is the most famous prayer in history. And there's a lot of amazing things about it. But one thing that I think is so amazing about it is it's so true to life. It's so true to life. What do I mean? Well, life has parts to it that are big, exciting, and wonderful, right? And life has parts to it that are mundane, boring, small. That's simply the way life is. And that's the way this prayer is, if you noticed. The prayer is set up that way. Life has its spectacular, unforgettable moments. And it has its ordinary, forgettable moments. And, you know, we might wish life was always breathtaking and extraordinary, but it isn't. Sometimes it is, but a whole lot of other times we're just riding the bus to school, clocking in at work, getting stuck in traffic, Changing diapers, having cereal for breakfast, doing the laundry, taking out the trash, etc., etc. 
a lot of mundane, ordinary things. Some extravagant things, for sure, in life. But a lot of mundane things, too. And you know, that's the way this prayer is. Did you see? The prayer has six petitions in it. But they're broken apart into two sets of three. Okay? So it's two different sets of three petitions. The first three petitions are these. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next three petitions are give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you see the difference between the two sets of three? The first three petitions are about God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And the last three are about our food our forgiveness and our daily christian walk the first three call attention to god's greatness and the last three call attention to our needs and this makes sense you know for god is powerful and wondrous and majestic and glorious therefore his name should be hallowed. His kingdom should come. His will should be done. But me? <laughs> I am weak and sinful. Therefore, I need help. <laughs> God doesn't need help. I'm just praying for God's glory to go, 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 go. He doesn't need help. I need help. A lot of help. I need food. <laughs> I need forgiveness for my sins. I need strength for my walk with Him. And as believers, you know, we live in this great mystery. We have inside of us, every believer, we have the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Have you ever thought about that? Like how crazy that is? <laughs> the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is in you. It's in all of us. But we have this astounding treasure in jars of clay, in frail bodies, right? And this is the tension that believers live with. Christians are both spectacular and ordinary. We're both spectacular and ordinary. There's a bigness to us, and there's also a smallness to us. Acts chapter 8 says that one day, one day, the children of God will be revealed. But right now, right now, you look like everyone else. Though you are not like everyone else, you look like everyone else. Our spirits are alive because God's spirit has made it so. But our bodies are dead because of sin. Our sin has made it so. And that just is the way of life for believers. That is. And that's the way this prayer is that Jesus gives us.
We have the extraordinary woven into the ordinary. And so, with the first three petitions, we cry out for world-changing, universe-changing action. We pray, Father, cause your great holy name to be honored and reverenced and esteemed and treasured and loved and valued above all things in the universe. We pray, Father, cause your glorious sovereign rule to hold sway without obstruction everywhere in the cosmos. We pray, Father, cause your all-wise, all-good, all-just, and all-holy will to be done all over the world, just as the angels do it in heaven. This is the breathtaking part of the Lord's Prayer. And as we pray it, we are caught up into these great things, these eternal things, and Jesus wants us to be caught up in them. That's the whole reason he gives, it to, gives them to us here. He wants us to be caught up into these great things, these mind-blowing things that he's doing. You see, you might think, maybe you came in here today, and you resonate with the second half of the Lord's Prayer. You know, you think you live just in the ordinary, just in the mundane, just in the place where, whew, I just need some food. Ooh, I just need some forgiveness. But that's not just where you live. Oh no, you live in the first half too. You do, and I do. You see, my friends, Jesus is telling us with this prayer, you're more than ordinary. No, you see, you are already seated with me in heavenly places, says our Lord and King. He says, I am doing great things in the universe and you are with me as I do them. You're with me. My friends, you are part of a story that is so grand that it puts the Lord of the Rings to shame. But you don't even know it. You know, you just ride the bus. Just change the diapers. You're just stuck in traffic. It doesn't, you don't feel like you're part of something like the Lord of the Rings, you know? You don't feel like Frodo. <laughs> Right? I don't either most of the time. It feels very ordinary. It feels very mundane. And Jesus says, no. No. You are part of something extraordinary. Something universe changing <laughs> that he is doing. Jesus wants you to be engaged in this truth. He wants to pull you into this grand tale. He wants your heart to come to the stunning realization that He has chosen you for greatness. That He has chosen you for the extraordinary. He wants your heart to be enraptured by His glorious name, His eternal kingdom, and His perfect will. No matter how ordinary you might feel. No matter how sinful you might feel. No matter how lazy you might feel. No matter how mundane you believe your life is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You are a child of the Most High King. You're His. You are. And you are a part of His story. 
You are marching with him throughout the universe as he vanquishes all of his enemies. You're with him. You think you're just stuck in traffic. And Jesus says, oh no. Oh no. You're with me. You are stuck in traffic. (laughs) But you're also with me. As I march through the universe, making all things new. You're with me. And so Jesus wants our heads in the clouds. (laughs) That's where he wants them. He wants us to join him in this grand tale, to see that we are in it. But you know, while our heads are in the clouds, our feet are still on the ground. They still are. We really do eat cereal for breakfast a lot of times. I want eggs and bacon and biscuits. That's a great breakfast, but most of the time, it's cereal. (laughs) Or it's a protein bar. That's it. Our feet are still on the ground, even though our heads are in the clouds. And so we pray the second half of the Lord's Prayer too, not just the first half. We pray, Father, I'm not asking for bountiful riches. I just need some bread. I just need breath, just enough to give me life, just enough to keep my body healthy and my mind sharp. Father, I just need some breath. We pray, Father, I'm a screw up. I'm lazy. I am sinful. And I need your forgiveness every day. And Father, I understand that I don't deserve to be forgiven. And because I don't deserve your forgiveness and still have it, then I will not withhold forgiveness toward my neighbor. As you have undeservedly forgiven me, I will undeservedly forgive my neighbor. Have mercy upon me, Lord, and let me live in the freedom of your love. We pray, Father, Father, I hate that I still sin against you. Yes, I am confident, Lord, that your forgiveness always covers me. But please, please don't lead me into the places where I'm entangled with temptation. For my flesh is so weak. Just as you saved me at the moment of my conversion, continue to save me, Lord, day by day. Please guard my heart and my mind from evil. I don't want to sin against you. I don't. I know I'm forgiven, but I don't want to sin against you. Please help me. This is how the Lord has taught us to pray. And yes, there are many striking, amazing things about this prayer. Many, many, many books have been written about it. But in closing, we're going to close this series today, and I'll close this sermon here. But I want to close with two very important points. You can read all the books on the Lord's Prayer you want to. You can go back and listen to sermons on the Lord's Prayer. You can read the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. But you can't miss these two things. You cannot miss it. These are critical. Two final points I'd like to make about it. Number one. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, let us always remember who we're praying to. Always remember that. Who are we praying to? 
Well, Jesus says that we are praying to a good, good Father. <laughs> He's so good. It's no mistake that Jesus begins the prayer by addressing God as our Father. Right? It's incredible. This is absolutely the foundation of prayer. Okay? Who are we praying to? Some tyrant God? Some cosmic cop? Busy writing sin tickets? No. We are praying to a gracious and gentle and lovely and lowly Father. That's who we're praying to. One theologian says this uh, about the Lord's Prayer. He says, quote, The word Father at the start of the Lord's Prayer is intended to carry very tender connotations. End quote. See? We're not praying to a tyrant. We're praying to a very tender and loving Father. That's who we're praying to. We can't ever forget that. We believers are always praying to a good, good Father. See, always. But having said that, here's the second point we must get. We must get this. And here it is. As we pray to our good Father, let us never forget why. Our Father is so tender toward us. Let's never forget why. Yes, He is gentle. Yes, He is gracious. Yes, He is loving. Yes, He is tender. But why? Why? Well, there's something kind of odd about the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of strange. In that all kinds of people use it. All kinds. All right. I've heard this prayer prayed in public by people from other religions. Okay, uh, uh, One scholar I read this week, he said that, he's speculating, but he says it's possible that this paragraph right here, like this teaching on the Lord's Prayer is the most spoken paragraph in the history of the world. And he said that in his opinion, there's probably no close second. The most spoken paragraph in the world, in the world's history, is this paragraph right here in the Sermon on the Mount. And all kinds of people say it. <laughs> all right? It's, it's wild to me, but that is the case. All kinds of people. Agnostics will pray this prayer. Um, people from other religions will pray it. It's kind of odd, don't you think? Because it's not supposed to work like that. <laughs> it's never intended to work that way. And here's what I mean. You see, Jesus knew something about this prayer that his original audience did not know. And it's something that many people around the world still do not know. You see, Jesus knew that not long after this teaching... He would gather his disciples together for one last meal. And during that meal, he would hold up a glass of wine. And he would say these words. He would say, this is my blood. The blood of the new covenant of grace. 
This is my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, yes, we start our prayer by saying, Our Father. Yes, that's how we should start. Our good, good Father. But, listen to me, forgiveness of sins does not make its way to us straight from the fatherhood of God. It does not. Salvation and forgiveness, they make their way to us from the fatherhood of God through the death of His Son. You see. We talk a lot about grace at this church. But we're not talking about grace in general. No. We're talking about a very specific kind of grace. The biblical kind. We're talking here about grace that comes through the death of Jesus. You see, it's very specific. It's not broad. It's specific. We preach Christ and Him crucified for our sins. That's the grace that we preach. So, let Christ be honored in the Lord's Prayer. Not because He taught it, but because He founded it with His own precious blood. You see, friends, there would be no prayer if it wasn't for the blood. There would be no forgiveness if it wasn't for the blood. There would be no strength for the day without the blood of Jesus. So, be honored today, Lord Jesus. Be glorified, our suffering Savior. For we could not ever approach God without you. You see, friends, the reason our Heavenly Father is so tender with us is because He was violent with Jesus. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. The reason heaven is always open to us in prayer is because in Jesus' greatest hour of need, when He went to His Father in prayer, heaven was closed to Him. The reason our Father opens His arms to us and greets us with a smile is because the Father turned His back on His Son. You see, Jesus is not just a great teacher. He's far more than that. He is our great substitute. Our great substitute. He died on the cross with your name on it and my name on it. You see, he doesn't just teach us how to pray. He's the only reason we can pray in the first place. 
there is a, a perverted version of Christianity out there. It's very popular. It's becoming more and more popular. It's the idea that Jesus just wants us to change the world. You know? He just wants us to make the world a better place. This false Christianity takes this sermon and they hold it up. They take the sermon on the mount and they hold it up and they say, Fatherhood of God, brotherhood of man, love of neighbor is Christianity. No, it's not. Don't rip this sermon out of its context. Making the world a better place is not Christianity. The cross is Christianity. Christianity is on the board over there, if you haven't noticed. That's not the foundation of Christianity. That's not the central elements of Christianity. The gospel is Christianity. That's what it is. Jesus died for our sins. And Jesus rose for our justification. That is Christianity. Because you see, there is no Christianity. There is no prayer. There is no brotherhood. There is no fatherhood of God. There is no neighbor love. Had Christ not gone beyond this prayer to die underneath it and hold it up for us. You see, the only reason we can pray this is because Jesus is holding it up for us so that we can. We have no right to go before the Father. None! Without Jesus' blood shed for us, the only thing we'd ever receive from the Father is divine wrath. That's it. See, in the Lord's Prayer, we're not praying, I hope you're nice. I hope you're in a good mood today. I hope you have pity for me. No. No. In the Lord's Prayer, we are praying, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you for the blood that allows me to come before your throne with my needs. You see, let's pray it, but let us remember that Jesus is holding it up for us. Without him, there is no such thing as prayer. The hymn writer puts it so beautifully. He writes this. He says, Blood of Jesus shed for me. Precious blood my covering be. The only view God has of me is through the blood of Jesus. If all sin were mine alone, Jesus' blood would still atone. I've been made God's very own. Through the blood of Jesus. By the Father's plan divine, there's a promise He's designed. That His life is one with mine. 
through the blood of Jesus. I shall see him face to face, praising God, for by his grace, all my sin has been erased through the blood of Jesus. Jesus.